So one of, the, one of the things I remember with that, with somebody having so much focus and they took advantage of it, who remembers the all-time great quarterback Tim Tebow from Florida? I know, if you're a Georgia fan, he was not your favorite fan at the time. But, you know, he did something very unique in those games, and you'll remember this, is that he would put scriptures underneath his eyes. Did you know that when he would play those games, it was the most searched scripture on the Internet? He took advantage of his situation to tell people who Christ was and how he could live it out. And I gave him a lot of praise for that. And I still think that's amazing to take that type of opportunity. Uh Uh-oh. I don't know if it's me, Jeff, but it could be. I'll switch if it has to get too bad. But one of the challenges I've been given here at Solid Rock as I change positions from being with the youth, and I love my youth. Look at them. They're so well-behaved right now. But one of the positions that I'm transitioning to is going to be up to a, a task that has some inherent difficulty. And it's not that I'm not up to the task, but it does come with a little bit of a challenge. Because if you are like me, there has been something starting to stir within you and probably starting to bother you about your daily walk with Christ. Because I've struggled with this myself, about being a Christian and following Christ. Now, I know what you're thinking. Christian and following Christ, is that not the same thing? Yes, but they also have two very different discoveries, as we're going to talk about today. Because, see, it's easy to be a Christian without actually following Christ. For some of you football fans, you might recognize this if I put this in a different perspective. You can be a fan of the University of Georgia and never go to a game and never watch them on TV, but still be a fan, but not actually following them. When they win, you cheer. When they lose, you go hunting. And that's a lot like what Christians do today. They're fans, and they'll recognize the church, but they won't actually follow the church and where the church is going and what the church is supposed to be doing. And that's discipling people for Christ. You see, a lot of times... Regardless of your walk with, life, uh, with your Christian life, you might have been a Christian for a really long time. And, and there's nothing wrong with being a Christian for a really long time. That's a great thing. You know, I, was, I, I came to know the Lord when I was just a youth. I was in the youth department like these young kids here, or young adults, whatever you feel like calling them. Is that me? I am so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I'll switch here in just a second if things get bad. But your conversion story could be a lot like mine. And you could have came to know Christ at such a young age, and you really didn't do anything wrong in your your walk. You could have just grown up in a good Christian family, and your family brought you to church, went to Sunday school. You came to know the Lord, you were baptized, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Some have walked a very, very different conversion story. Some did not experience a Christian family, didn't grow up in a church lived out in the world, and the world taught them the way the world would love to teach them to disobey God and God's commands. And somewhere along the line, they fell into line of a church or a family member or a friend who came to share Christ with them, and then they became followers of Christ themselves. So regardless of your conversion story, regardless of your, construct, your story and how long you've been a Christian, Christianity and being Christian isn't just simply becoming another routine of life. And by this, I mean just coming to church Maybe try to keep up with the devotion, read it every once in a while, try to honor God and do good. Now, I'm specifically talking about Christianity as a part of our lives 
but it's not really one of our life's pursuits. And I think that's becoming a reality in our church. We don't mind being Christian, but we don't want to make it completely part of our life. And one of the things that we should be doing is following Christ. So now if you've ever, again, to put this into perspective, not all of you are a college football fan and maybe don't watch the games just as a fan of them, that each and every person who here has a job goes to work to earn money. We need money. We've got to pay our bills. We've got to have services. But if you were an employer and you had somebody just showing up who didn't do anything, would you want to pay them? No. And if you were just showing up and sitting around, would you expect to be paid? Well, if you treat the church a little bit like this, and you become a Christian and you are a follower, then you are by command to go out and tell people about who Christ is. But if you're just going to show up, don't expect to receive that payment of rewards in heaven, which Jesus talks about in the scriptures. And so I hope that I'm speaking to everyone right now, and I hope I got your attention with this, because if I do, I can probably conclude two facts. Number one, you're neither not a Christian, and you're here because you're trying to figure out who Jesus is and who we are and why we follow him and why it's important for you to follow him and what it really means to follow him. And I'm glad you're here today, if that is you. You're sitting in our pews today, and I'm glad you are here because I hope you hear the gospel message today. It will be said. However, if you are a follower and don't understand what I'm saying this morning, I can conclude this, that you've become so numb and so used to the way we've been doing things and entrenched in the routine of just being Christian that it's not even convicting you anymore of your lack of following Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, I was out on a military training and just happened to be across the United States at Nellis Air Force Base. And if, you've ever, if you don't know where Nellis Air Force Base is, number one, it's a beautiful Air Force Base. Um, it's also home of the fighter pilots. It's home of the Thunderbirds. It's where they do all the training for these guys. Saw some really neat, cool, awesome air superiority Air Force stuff. B-2s, F-22s, f 35 new joint strike fighters, F-18s, F-16s. If you ever wonder how cool our, our, our Air Force is, just go look at those airplanes. They are, they are unbelievably awesome. But another unique thing to Nellis Air Force Base, besides being extremely hot, is that it's just five miles outside of Las Vegas. So not a hard and terrible military training event that I had to go do. But while I was there, I did take advantage of going to a concert. And one of the concerts we went to was an, uh, the opener of the concert sang a song that really spoke to me. And you might be thinking, wow, you're in Sin City and something spoke to you. Yes, it did. Because the title of this song is what really hit me and got me really focused about following Jesus. The title of the song was, No One Gets to Heaven If Anybody Else Is Left Behind. Now, with that statement and how important it really is to fulfill the mission of Jesus for us who are followers, I guess that statement really spoke to me for a second. Because if you'll turn into your Bibles in Matthew chapter 28. The book of Matthew, written by the tax collector, finishes this with Jesus giving the Great Commission. So in Matthew chapter 28... In the 16th verse, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. 
And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Now, whenever I read that verse, I've often wondered how they could doubt. How they could have seen Jesus crucified, dead, put into a grave, and now standing before them, living and speaking to them, and yet they are still in doubt. But here's what Jesus came and told his disciples. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always to the end of the age. I guess the most important question about what Jesus told those gathered on the mountain that day as they were watching him, and soon after he made this statement, he starts to ascend back into heaven, is that I don't think we've understood exactly what he meant when he says to go and make disciples. I believe that might be a word that we either do not understand or have not defined clearly. And so today, we're going to talk about being a follower and what a disciple actually is. Not realizing here that if I were to ask many, many people, what is a disciple? Many people would say, that's the job of the preacher, that's the job of the Sunday school teacher, and that's the job of somebody else but me. But I want to explain to you today that we... The church, the followers of Christ, are all commanded by our Savior to go and make other disciples, which means one thing. You have to conclude it if you're a math teacher. You are already a disciple. The equation doesn't fit if that's not what he meant. You are already a disciple of Christ, and he commands you to go and make more disciples disciples. So let's see exactly what a disciple is. Look back in Luke chapter 5, a few books after Matthew, Matthew, Mark. You don't have to search very far there. Look at Luke chapter 5, and let's see the first disciples called by Jesus. In verse 1, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of Sea of Galilee, Great crowds came in and pressed upon him to hear the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats. Now, one of those boats happened to be the owner of, by owned by Simon Peter. So Jesus getting into one of those boats, he asked Simon to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the great crowds. Then when he finished speaking, he tells Simon, the fisherman who knows how to fish, And has been doing it for quite some time to go out into deeper water and let down his nets to catch some fish. And here's what Simon says. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. I think we know what we're doing. We're good. But Jesus insists, go and let down your nets one more time. And so Simon, I'll go as you say and I'll let down the nets one more time. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear Here's Peter on the water, nets are tearing, miracle has happened, and he 
knows at this point who Jesus is. Because if you flip on over to the eighth verse, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Now, let me remind you, this isn't the first time Peter has seen Jesus in action. If you look back at the fourth chapter, he's already healed his mother, who was sick. Jesus not only healed her, but strengthened her to such a degree she was nearly perfect in health. So he recognizes that there are just two miracles, who Jesus is, and he understands who he is. But that doesn't stop Jesus. That doesn't stop him from continuing on. Not only was he awestruck by the fish they had caught and the people who were with them, then Jesus gives him one more ultimatum. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. Fishing for people. A man who claims he's a sinner is now going to be a teacher of some point, at some point, at the appointed time, to tell people who he is. Now, I think it's funny sometimes when, when we meet people and we try to explain who Jesus is and they walk away from him, like, they walk away from us and we say, oh, I can't believe you would turn that down. But here in the Bible, Matthew 4 and 5, Peter's already turned Jesus down and took the second time for him to finally get called to come do what he's supposed to do. And so we shouldn't get upset when people don't hear Jesus and understand except in the first time, it should challenge us to continue on and tell them who he is. Because Jesus would continue on and tell you, you who he was. Today you might say, well, you know, we don't have Jesus performing the miracles. But yes, we do. Miracles performed every day. But let me tell you what we do have. We do have the scriptures. And we can follow Jesus with the true scriptures. Let's look at the Apostle Paul back in 2 Timothy 3. As he gives us what scriptures really are. All scriptures are inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Let's draw, our let's draw the distinction back to being a Christian and just following Christ. In 14 and 17, it's pretty laid out if you look back up. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting Christ. See, following Christ requires a little bit of laborious study. See, Peter, when Peter encountered Jesus the first time, he didn't just dismiss him. He continued to study him. He continued to observe him. That's why he was there that day by the lake shore watching Jesus. He was intrigued with who he was. He didn't run away and didn't dismiss it. And so we have this inspired word of God it's all inspired the scriptures of God. And now we're told to not let this go, but continue to study it because you need the knowledge. But in fairness, I know 
And you probably hear it. You're probably sick and tired of hearing people tell you to study the Bible. But Paul insisting that, he's, that this is an inspired word of God. And so studying the Bible becomes a little more of a challenge instead of an everyday part of our life. That's why I know it's so hard for you to show up. If we were to launch a Bible study, a discipleship study on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And let me tell you how I know because I, had to, I honestly I didn't know how hard this was until I had to go back to active duty and I was driving an hour to work and an hour back home and I've been working all day and I realized, wow, that does take a little bit more effort than just showing up at church. I know what it feels like. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I just want to go home and sit on my couch. But I, you, if we're going to continue to learn how to be a follower of Christ, we have to challenge ourselves to learn more what's in it, to understand it and apply it, and not just hold on to it, but continue to have the knowledge that you and I need to be able to tell other people about Christ. Where you work, if you were going to teach somebody how to do your job, you would have to give them knowledge. And so Jesus has given us the word of God because he's challenged us and commanded us to go be disciples and tell people who he is and to make more of, of them for him. And we have to know who that is by following the Bible. So that's what we mean by studying the Bible. Because the word is a very important activity of the Christian life and the life of the church. That's why we encourage you to bring it. <laughs> Come to church without a Bible. Come to Sunday school without a Bible. It's got to be a part of your life. And we as disciples have to know what's right in the Bible. That's why we teach sound doctrine. That's why it's so important to get a, get a teacher who knows correct interpretation of Scripture because we can take things out of context. It's been done. Drive by the church in the now. It's no longer there. He wanted to take some scripture out of context and change it around to make it fit his lifestyle. It didn't happen. The church, the people recognized false doctrine and they left. And churches every day who go down that road and try to reinterpret scripture and try to make it apply, fall. It's just a matter of time before prosperity preaching is no longer accepted. It's going to happen. Therefore, we stand on the solid foundations of God. So, with that being said, knowledge, where do we put that knowledge? We put it in our brains, right? You know, the scientists say that we only use a, a small fraction of our brains for what we need to do day-to-day tasks, which means the rest of it can be used for the Word of God. You can just fill it with that. You can just fill it with that. And when you make a crazy decision, you can just say, well, I wasn't using that portion of the brain that moment. I was using the smaller portion, and that's why I made that crazy decision. My wife tells me all the time that I've lost my mind. And I know that's impossible. Can't lose it. And if I did lose it, it's because she picked it up and put it somewhere and hid it. Like she does everything else. She's not in here, is she? Okay. Well, our decisions and our knowledge of Jesus comes from knowing him and understanding that there's been enough evidence, enough scripture Written in the Bible. And you can say, well, there's just not enough evidence because the Bible is just one book. If you really want to get into this, many, many 
documents have been located and found and verified about Jesus. Even the Roman Empire was writing back to the government talking about who this person was and what they did to him and what happened after they did what they did to him, which was crucify him on a cross, which he boldly went to to die for sins for the world, for you and I, future, past, present, and future. They knew that something was different about him, and they wrote back and said, hey, this person whom we crucified, he got up and started walking around. So it isn't just here to verify the evidence. If you need knowledge of who Jesus is, it's in other places. And it's also the most important place is in you and I. When you accept Christ, you accept the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit brings upon you knowledge and ability to, to, to interpret the Scriptures and to sound doctrine, and you and I become the living Word. So you have the knowledge when you accept Christ. Now, I wish it was just downloaded it to us like a computer, but it's you and I have to take that certain study, that discipleship study. So if you choose today to accept that gospel message that the Bible is specific and the contents in it, then you will believe 1 Corinthians 15, 1, 6. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. And if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for sin according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 in brothers and sisters at the same time. In this message, Paul emphasizes the primacy of the gospel. It is of the first importance. The gospel message contains the most historical facts, both supported by Scripture and Christ's death and resurrection. And both of these facts are bolstered by the proofs of who Christ was in his death, Proved by his burial and his resurrection and proved by the many eyewitnesses. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that God provided a way for man to be free from the penalty of sin, as Romans 6.23, because the wages of sin was death. And now we have the ability to accept that in faith and in true love and have eternity in life. But not all people are going to be saved from hell. And that's the reality. Only those who place their faith in Jesus will be saved on those days. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the best news that anyone will ever hear. Even if you won the mega jackpot, mega millions, whatever that was. It's exciting as that is, that will not save you. And when you get to heaven and you're wanting to carry all your money, I guarantee you'll see piles of it laid out at the gates. Because it won't matter anymore. The gospel of Jesus Christ and where we spend eternity is an important fact. Because God is choosing you to come to life. Now, what is a disciple? Not only are you a follower of Christ through the knowledge of the scriptures, but you have been changed by Jesus. If you look at John 14, 23 through 24, Jesus said, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Jesus made it clear that following him would not be easy. He didn't say, once you accept me, life is grand and blessed and you will walk in perfectness. He did not say that. And if you are in that situation, please come up and tell us how it happened. Because I have struggles every day. And I know you have struggles every day. And last week, the pastor preached about those who are stressed. Now, 
That doesn't mean, again, just because you're a follower of Christ, that you're going to have heartache. In fact, God sometimes uses that to make us just a little bit stronger in his word. Matthew 16, 24 through 26, Jesus said to his disciples, If any one of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you'll just give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And if you think you're, if that's so important to you, don't you think the ones to your left and right, isn't their soul just as important? You know, the disciples, when they first came to know Christ, they were changed by the knowledge of who he was, meaning they knew him to some degree. But those who really are his disciples made him their authority in life. They chose to have the second part from the head changed to the heart. And after Jesus issued those invitations to those fishermen that day, they were just regular guys with very few godly traits, as Peter claimed, Lord, please leave me, I am a sinner. But he made it clear that he was going to shape them and make them fishers of men. And if he can do that to Peter and those disciples and those apostles later on, he can do it to you and I today through his word. How else did we come to know Christ? Did it just miraculously come to us? Did somebody tell us? I think about the youth pastor who spent tireless Wednesdays, like I've done, teaching the youth who Jesus is over and over and over so that finally it clicked in my mind who Jesus was and that I needed him, that I no longer could do it on my own. And adults go through this on daily, daily struggles, trying to do it on their own, but to let Jesus come in and change them into their hearts. Remember what I said when I was listening to that song? No one gets to heaven if anyone else is left behind. What if on that mountaintop, as Jesus said, go and make disciples, Tell all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them my commands. Oh, and by the way, no one comes to heaven if anyone else is left behind. Do you think for one second that we would still be sitting in these pews, listening to me talk about, trying to encourage you, to motivate you, to go tell people who Christ is and be a disciple of him if that statement was put into the Bible? If that's what Jesus said, no one else gets into heaven if anybody else is left behind. I doubt we'd be standing around trying to figure out if it's the pastor's job. We would all make that our job. That's what disciple is. Telling people who Christ is and the importance of why they need to accept him as their savior. It would change your ever thought at that point. You know, and the disciples, well, they kind of mingered about after Jesus told them to go do that. And they kind of went back to the house. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit got upon them that they knew exactly what the mission was. They heard it, and now they applied it. So a disciple, not only is he someone who, who has got the knowledge of Christ and has been changed by Christ, but a disciple is committed to Jesus' mission. 
Now, we all know and follow Christ, and when we, look at, when we came to follow Christ, we started looking at people differently. And yes, we shouldn't judge them. Instead, we should take care of them. And we should reach out to them. When we are committed to Jesus, we speak, act, and serve as he did. 2 Corinthians 6.1. If I can find it. Here's an interesting portion of it. This is Paul talking to the church of Corinthians in Corinth. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. And that happens so often when we're just Christian. Instead of being followers of Christ, we accept it. We get God's grace. We repent. And then we ignore it. We ignore the rest of the teachings. We ignore the rest of the authority of God. We ignore God, Jesus' commands to go and tell people about who he is, what he's done, and what he's still going to do. We ignore it. And Paul's pleading as God's partners, we beg you not to just accept this gift and ignore it. Go tell others about who I am. That's why we have missionaries following the commands. But you don't have to go to another nation. Heaven forbid we can go right down the street to a whole community, to an apartment complex, to a neighborhood where I'm sure countless people are still laying in bed, not making Jesus a priority in their life, not living a Christian life, and certainly not following his commands. But what if none of us got to go to heaven? If any one of them were left behind, we'd be knocking their doors in. We'd be telling them who Jesus was. We'd be showing the love that's been shown to us. God's mission is now our mission. And we should recognize that, be responsible for that, and share the love of Christ. Nothing Jesus did was accidental, but always intentional. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask the praise team to come.